It is Friday, January 8th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to our Wild Card Round DFS podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, are Jared Smola and Tyler Syracuse. And this podcast is sponsored by our partners at Fanshare Sports. Fanshare curates hundreds of pieces of daily fantasy sports-related articles, tweets, and podcasts to create the most accurate ownership projections in the industry. Those projections can be found in the lineup generator on DraftSharks.com. And you can find up-to-date ownership info anytime at fansharesports.com. Before we get to this week's picks, let's crown the regular season winners of our staff competitions, guys. In the crown is ass challenge on DraftKings, I managed to nail down the season title last week with uh, probably my highest scoring lineup of the season. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, A.J. Brown all hit. Um, I got big games from Sterling Shepard and Curtis Samuel, even a touchdown from Hayden Hurst, uh, which has become a bit of a unicorn. So... Uh, of course, it, it was a high-scoring week in general. My 194 for that lineup didn't even win 100% of my head-to-heads. Um, but, you know, it was good enough here. Jared, how'd you do uh, in Week 17 on DK? Yeah, I mean, that was a really nice score for you. You know, you beat me, and I, I won the majority of my head-to-heads and cashed uh, and double-ups with that lineup. So n- nice lineup from you, nice season from you. I might have to change my strategy next year a bit to, you know, go a little, little more like – single entry tournament type lineup um, to get more upside. And especially, it seems like me and Tyler had very similar lineups in that all year. Cause we're just playing our cash teams and those kind of end up being the same. So maybe something for me to think about this off season so I can take it down next year. Tyler, any takeaways from your week 17 on there? Yeah. Week 17, like you mentioned was extremely high scoring. So I ended up scoring like 166, which wasn't enough. Uh, Devonte Adams really hurt me a lot. And then Lamar Jackson getting pulled when he was three yards short of the bonus. And then, um, you know, Kirk Cousins scored like 10 more points than him. So that's what really hurt me. It, it sucked because I was originally on Kirk Cousins and then I had extra money and was able to get up to Lamar. But Ty Montgomery, I thought, was the right play. The only thing I was upset about was playing Ty Johnson because I wasn't on him all week and I kind of just put him in there once Malcolm Brown uh, wasn't going to be the workhorse uh, with Cam Akers coming back in week 17 last week. Yeah, Ty Johnson definitely let me down. I was kind of not kicking myself a little bit, but not too hard for not playing any Darwin Thompson over the weekend. I think the correct cash play ended up being uh, Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor rather than playing two of those cheap running backs. Over on FanDuel, it was Jared securing the season title in the Shark Pool with his eighth weekly victory. Smo, is this whole year of you pretending that you hate <laughs> playing on FanDuel really just an elaborate reverse jinx? No, I legitimately spend a fifth of the time on FanDuel as I do trying to figure out DraftKings. So maybe, maybe that's a lesson. Maybe I should, you know, spend a bit less time overthinking things on DraftKings. <laughs> there you go. Tyler, how'd you do on FanDuel in week 17? Yeah, I actually did really good on FanDuel and I scored like over 190 in cash. So obviously would have took down the Shark Duel, but I couldn't uh, change my lineup due to our rules. And uh, I was thinking about doing the old Bill Belichick because... Um, <laughs> I, I got Marvin Jones in there, uh, which which would have been huge. I didn't have him in this contest and would have scored like 190 instead of 157, but can't complain. I had a really good week over on FanDuel. 
Yeah, I had a nice Marvin Jones lineup as well away from this competition, but uh, Calvin Ridley, DK Metcalf really let me down with this particular lineup. So we're not going to be competing against each other this week. That's over for the season. We will definitely be playing, though, and it's a larger slate than we usually get come playoff time in the NFL. Each conference, of course, has an extra team in the playoffs. There's only one buy on each side this time, so we get six games this weekend. That's a three-game slate Saturday, a three-game slate Sunday, and a six-game combined slate even though both sites would much rather you stick to that one day slate so they can keep the money moving. You can tell by the competitions that they uh, offer for each of those slates. But anyway, we're going to break it down by position like we do every week. We'll talk about any variations between the sites, between the slates. Before we get to those players, though, Tyler, do you change your week-to-week approach at this point in the DFS calendar in terms of how much you play in cash, how much you play in GPPs now that we have the smaller slates? I actually look to get a little bit more action, especially this week with the six game slate. You're going to see a lot of newbies entering contests this week. So make sure you post your head to heads early on in the week. You're going to notice that you're probably getting more action than than you were a month ago. Uh, the regular season kind of drags on a lot of the uh, players that aren't winning players, but then they get excited again for playoffs and usually it generates more action. So uh, I'm looking to be aggressive, especially this wild card weekend when we ha- where we have uh, six games and you'll be able to do swaps and you'll you'll have a pretty nice edge on on guys that don't really know what they're doing. Jared, are you going to toss some extra bait out there and try to hook some fish? Maybe I should. That's a good point that Tyler makes. Um, as of now, I just have three tournament lineups on DraftKings for uh, the, the six game slate. I, I definitely prefer that over the three gamers, but um, yeah, maybe I'll work on putting together some cash teams and try to pick up some head to heads. Yeah, what I tend to like about the smaller slates is that it, it gives me less room to, uh, I don't know, think about the possibilities and kind of forces me to just go with my best lineup. And also, I think that the fewer options makes it easier to leave some salary on the table. And in a regular season, you know, full weekend slate, I, I have a tough time leaving salary on the table, which, you know, when you have all the teams available, maybe it's not as good an idea, but it's one of those things you kind of have to do here. And it, it maybe forces you to Tyler. Do you find that being able to leave salary on the table on a small slate can help you uh, win whatever format? Yeah. Especially with the three game slate, I'd be more likely to leave money on the table uh, with the six game slate. It's going to be harder to have a lineup that's diff or uh, a lineup that's replicated or duplicated, but Certainly with the three game slate, I like to leave money on the table and and try to find a couple guys that are going to be lower owned. Overall, I think with the six gamer, I'm not worried too much. Uh, I usually do like to leave a couple hundred dollars in most lineups either way, unless I have like a guy like Isaiah McKenzie, who's going to be one percent. Then normally if if there's going to be a lot of chalkier guys in there, then I generally like to leave a couple hundred dollars uh, for both sites. Yeah, I think leaving money on the smaller slates is important um I, I like the point tyler made about late swapping especially on a slate like this if you're playing a six gamer i mean we have six games and they're all different kick- kickoff times so you literally have you know what you know five chances to late swap so you should definitely take advantage of that based on how you know your your guys do in the first few games now uh, before we get to that i've got a question from facebook from mark clinton that's not a dfs question but he's got a playoff draft coming up he, he has the first pick wants to know whether you should take patrick mahomes or josh allen who you got jared no, oh, who you got, Tyler? Jared's drinking water. <laughs> I would go with Patrick Mahomes because they have by far the best odds to make the Super Bowl slash win the Super Bowl. And normally with a lot of those, you can only pick one player uh, for each team. I, I have no idea what the 
the scoring is for that guy's league, but um, mm-hmm. first overall pick, Mahomes definitely makes the most sense to me. Yep, still Mahomes for me. I'd, I'd make them a, a slight favorite over Buffalo to reach the Super Bowl. Although, I mean, Allen has more upside because he has a chance to play four games. So if you think it's you know 50-50, um, Allen's definitely the pick there. Yeah, to me, that makes it a coin flip between them because I, I think the Chiefs or Bills could win that game. If I have to pick who's going to win that game and go to the Super Bowl, I think it's the Chiefs, but that would then just make it three games per player. So I think I might lean Allen for the shot at the fourth game there at the top pick. It's not Either way, it's not a thing that I would do 100% of the time. We talked about this too in the FFPC podcast. I think um, the Chiefs are more likely to lose in the divisional round than Buffalo is, assuming it's, you know, I guess really even if it's Baltimore or Tennessee, I think that team has a better chance to beat Kansas City than, you know, Pittsburgh would to beat Buffalo. I was going to say, thinking through that, um, Travis Kelsey makes sense as the number one pick as well because, you know, you, you probably need to start a tight end and he has a chance to absolutely obliterate every other tight end whereas Josh Allen and Mahomes might be bunched up a little bit more. So if the Ravens get knocked out in the first round and then the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey might outscore all of their tight ends by like 50 points, yeah. in which case he'd probably be on all the championship rosters. Yeah, we, we have Kelsey as our top overall player in our you know, playoff long ranking. So, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's true. That, that's where I'd go if that is an option. Yeah, so it certainly depends on the specific rules for that draft. But those are our, our uh, views on those. So let's get back to that DFS slate now. Let's go to quarterback. And Tyler, where are you looking for cash at QB? It's really close between Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. I think they stand out as the top play on both sites by far, by far the highest floor and ceiling combination for any quarterback. I think Drew Brees is pretty interesting if Taysom Hill gets ruled out. Taysom's in the concussion protocol. He practiced in full yesterday, but he still needs to get cleared by a neurologist. Um, so we just see that uh, Taysom Hill, you know, he, he's going to hurt Drew Brees sometimes when they get down inside the red zone. They have a, a set of packages where they like to use him in the Wildcat, and that just hurts Brees' uh, projection overall. But it's definitely going to be Lamar or Josh. I'm leaning towards Lamar just with his rushing upside. He's pretty much cleared 100 yards in a couple of his last games. He's been going over 80 yards pretty frequently. He's averaging like 73 rushing yards since the Ravens' week seven bye. It has the highest over-under on the slate. The Titans have beat the Ravens two games in a row, so I think Baltimore is really going to come to play. I like the ball, I like the Ravens in the game. This is a defense that he had over 500 yards of offense in last year's playoff game, and the Titans' defense is much worse this season. So, I, I mean, I like Josh Allen a lot too, but – I'm, I'm going to have exposure to both of them, but I think Lamar has a little bit higher of a floor and he's only a couple hundred dollars more. So that's my slight lean is to uh, Jackson over Josh. Yeah, I would favor Jackson over Allen as well. I mean, he's facing the much worse defense. So obviously, both of these guys can get it done. Jared, is that where you're looking expensive at quarterback too? Well, I actually prefer Allen over Jackson slightly. You know, we have, we have Allen projected for a bit more um, and he is cheaper on both sides. I mean, Allen was just, he was better than Lamar Jackson over the course of, the season, you know, he finished the year just as, if not hotter than Lamar Jackson, 32 uh, DraftKings points per game over the last, over his last four full games for Josh Allen. And, and the Colts defense really struggled. They're not struggled. They, they took a step back down the stretch. Um, they gave up 327 passing yards and almost two touchdowns per game over their, their final five. So I, I don't, you know, I don't, it's not as good a matchup as Lamar Jackson's, but I think Allen's matchup is fine as well. So for me, it's definitely Allen on FanDuel. On DraftKings, I think you can go Allen or you can pay down for Drew Brees. I mean, 5700 bucks for Drew Brees 
at home. I just think that's a good price. And if you want to fit in, you know, one of the expensive running backs, I think Michael Thomas we'll talk about is at a good price. Deontay Johnson is someone I think I'd want in cash. So, you know, Breeze, Breeze might lead to the more optimal lineup, getting those, you know, almost $2,000 worth of savings uh, going down from Josh Allen. Yeah, I haven't started building lineups really on there yet. So I think Drew Brees might wind up being my favorite cash quarterback. You certainly worry about the Taysom Hill aspect some, but yeah. worry a little bit less if I'm building cash, especially because I think it's a better matchup for the Drew Brees, Michael Thomas stack in general than it is for Alvin Kamara, who's you know coming off COVID and will have not practiced in person. He's practicing virtually. I don't know what the workouts are this week, but you know it's a good spot, I think, for the Brees, Michael Thomas stack. Yeah. On the GPP side, Tyler, what are you doing differently at quarterback, or is it mainly those top two expensive guys? Yeah, it's going to be a ton of Lamar and Josh Allen. They have easy stacking partners as well. Obviously, uh, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews with Jackson, and then Stefan Diggs, John Brown, mainly for Josh Allen. Uh, I'm going to have some Drew Brees just because I think Michael Thomas is the best play on the slate, uh, regardless of position. So I think that stack makes a ton of sense. And uh, I think it's just going to be those three guys. I'm not going to mess around with – an injured Jared Goff, Russell Wilson. I don't like that game at all. I'm not going to play Roethlisberger. I'm not going to play Baker Mayfield. So I think the Ravens might steamroll the Titans. So I don't think I'm going to have any Tannehill either. And I'm I'm going to be mostly avoiding uh, Titans players in general. So I'm definitely the most high on on the Ravens offense and the Bills offense. So I'm going to be all over those two guys. And yeah, then- I agree with you hating the Rams and Seahawks game altogether. And I, I'm not too interested in Ryan Tannehill against the when, when pressured this year, he ranked just 17th among multi-game starters in passer rating on those plays. Jared, what are you looking at a quarterback? Yeah, so again, I, I have three tournament teams right now. Um, one's going to be a Josh Allen stack. Um, one's going to be a Drew Brees stack. And I, I like running that back with Allen Robinson, who I'm really high on this weekend. I think he's priced pretty fairly on, on DraftKings and FanDuel. Uh, my, my third team, I think, is going to be a Ben Roethlisberger team, um, 6100 bucks on DraftKings. I mean, he he had five horrible games prior to that Colts game two weeks ago. He, he, you know, he bounced back nicely against the Colts, 342 yards and three touchdowns. You know, maybe that, that's a sign of things to come. Maybe he, he sucks again this weekend. But I think in tournaments, he's worth a shot. The matchup's great. Um, Cleveland 25th in pass defense DVOA, 29th in adjusted points allowed to quarterbacks. And they have all these COVID issues. Um, they just lost Olivier Vernon, who is second on their team in sacks. Really, their only good pass rusher outside of Miles Garrett. So I just think it's a nice spot for Ben. I think if we get, you know, early season Ben, he has a chance to, you know, finish as one of the top few scoring quarterbacks on the slate. Yeah, and he's topped 300 yards in two of his past four games. So we don't even have to look at just one game and pray that he does that again. And Mason Rudolph threw for 309 against the Browns last week. So we have gotten bad Roethlisberger lately as well. So I think that's why he's a GPP and not a cash consideration for me. But I agree. There's there's lots of upside here. Stacking with two of those wide receivers, you can consider Eric Ebron with them. I mean, you could put four Steelers in a lineup with the, the slate we have, especially if you're playing um, just the one-day slate. So, yeah, there's going to be some Roethlisberger for me as well. And he's, he's an even better value on FanDuel at 7500 So I, I think even easier to make a case for him there. Let's go to running back now. Uh, for cash, Tyler, what are your favorites? So I'll give out a couple plays. Uh, Cam Akers is the value play of the week at running back. He had 24 touches last week coming off the high ankle sprain. He wasn't very effective as a rusher, but he set a career high in receiving yards with 52. I just think the Rams are going to, you know, they're going to play pretty conservatively uh, with Jared Goff having the dislocated thumb. They're going to try to run the ball, keep the game close. 
let their defense attack Russell Wilson. I think it's going to be a really low-scoring game, but uh, he's just way too cheap for the role he has in that offense right now. Uh, he dominated uh, running back usage last week, and he's practicing in full this week, so you'd think he'd be a little bit healthier coming off that ankle sprain. And then in the upper range, I'm going to play Alvin Kamara, assuming he gets cleared from COVID. I think the Saints offense has a lot more upside than Tennessee's this week. So Kamara has just as good of a chance at touchdowns as Derrick Henry. And then obviously Kamara is game uh, game script uh, independent. So it doesn't matter if they fall behind or they're playing from ahead. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to be getting carries, whereas Derrick Henry is a little bit more dependent. And if the Ravens are running up the score, he might be off the field in favor of Darrington Evans. So I think Kamara makes uh, more sense than Derrick Henry this week. Yeah, I agree with Kamara over Henry this week. In that first meeting with Baltimore, he needed overtime to get to 100 yards and to score his only touchdown on the ground. And that game had no Brandon Williams, no Calais Campbell on the D-line for the Ravens. So they were even not at full health for that game, and it was still a difficult matchup for Henry. So uh, he's he's just not a must this weekend. You would think that with so few slate, so few studs on the slate would be a must. But I, I don't, to me, Jared, it doesn't seem like you have to play some Derrick Henry this week. No, he's definitely not a must because, um, again, if you want to play one of the expensive quarterbacks and like Michael Thomas and Deontay Johnson, it, it gets tough to fit Henry in there. I do prefer Henry to Kamara and Cash just because of the COVID thing. Like, I don't know if the Saints are going to limit Kamara. I don't know if, you know, he, he, he's just not going to be at 100%. Um, so in Cash, I still like Henry. I mean, we, we saw in that Packers game, the Titans were, were losing by quite a bit early on and, and Henry still got to like 23 carries in that game I think it was I, I just think he's a safe volume bet even if you know game script works against him so um, I, I lean him if you're going expensive and I agree with Tyler I think Cam Akers on both sides is a, is a cash lock um, just for the projected volume for the price tag I, I do you can definitely fade him in tournaments if you think that game's going to be low scoring I mean Fakers doesn't get in the end zone he's probably not going to be on the tournament winning team and I don't even think you need to fade him, though, because he is yeah. cheap on both sites. It's a small slate, so you can afford more than usual probably to have somebody not score for you uh, and still finish high up there. I, I don't think that either Kamara or Henry is a must, considering that they're both facing tougher defenses. Chicago has been down lately versus um, what it usually is, though the run defense is still tougher than the pass defense for them. So I, I don't consider either of those studs a must, especially if you're trying to pay up at quarterback and wide receiver. There's lots of wide receivers available, and especially if you're playing the two-day slate. But I would lean Kamara over Henry for cash here, mm -hmm. I think. Among the other cheaper options, I think J.K. Dobbins, Ronald Jones can factor into cash plans. You know, normally those aren't the kind of guys that I would put in, but this week, given the matchups for the studs and the few other reliable available guys, I think they get more attractive. J.D. McKissick at 4,900 on DraftKings, I think, is also a solid um, cash play. Jonathan Taylor, David Montgomery are the only two other guys on the slate that have mm -hmm. produced like studs recently, but they get bad matchups this week, um, either facing tough defenses or in spots where their teams look likely to be trailing and kind of go away from the run. So, you know, they're still worth looking at but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if I end up playing no Jonathan Taylor no David Montgomery yeah I'm planning to full fade both those guys I'm, I'm more scared to fade Jonathan Taylor because I do think he'll have success when he gets the ball but you know if if we think Buffalo is going to win you know fairly easily you know that, that's going to hurt Taylor's volume you know they still prefer Naheem Hines in obvious passing situations so I'm, I'm going to just fade those guys. Hope they don't kill me. Yeah, I, I think J.K. Dobbins on FanDuel at 6,800 is a cash play. 
you, you could definitely go Akers and Dobbins and not play one of the expensive running backs. Um, and then, yeah, um, Chris Carson and Ronald Jones, I think, are the two tournament plays. You know, they're both favorites in their games. You know, I think both guys are decent touchdown bats, especially Ronald Jones. I mean, you know, the Bucks still have one of the higher implied totals on the week. I, I think Tampa's going to go back to Jones as the clear lead guy in this game. So I think he has a shot at like 20 touches. Tyler, what do you like for GPP running back? I'm going to sprinkle in the Gus bus, just hoping that J.K. Dobbins has a lot of the ownership and somehow Gus Edwards gets like one or two touchdowns. In lineups where I used Gus Edwards, I feel like maybe only him and possibly like Mark Andrews. I would, I probably wouldn't even play Lamar Jackson in Gus Edwards lineups, uh, just because if Gus Edwards gets a couple scores, that's probably going to hurt uh, Lamar's overall ceiling as well. I'm definitely going to fade Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, uh, I prefer Nick Chubb over Dobbins, even on DraftKings, where they're priced very similarly. Uh, I'm going to sprinkle in some J.D. McKissick. And then Chris Carson, I think, makes sense as a sleeper this week, especially in lineups where you're using the Seahawks defense. I do think the Seahawks are going to win that game. And I feel like they've kind of been, you know, not giving him his full workload to get him healthy for this playoff game, similar to what the Saints have been doing with Michael Thomas. And I think they're just ready to unleash Carson for like 25 touches this week. If the Seahawks are winning, you know he's going to get the ball. So I like the upside for Carson quite a bit as well. Yeah, I like all that as well. And I, I don't think you even need to guess totally at Seattle ramping up Chris Carson's usage. Because even if you look at his recent games, when it's been closer or when they've been trailing, they've played Carson more than in games where they've been winning or in week 17 where they didn't need the game as much. So I like the upside on Carson here. I think for the Saturday slate, I'd be more likely to go three running backs in a lineup. And, you know, this gets into some of the flex discussion, but Mm -hmm. I would be more likely to go three running backs for just the Saturday slate on either site than I would for, for the Sunday slate or for the two day slate. Cause that day we have Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines. We have Cam Akers and Chris Carson. We have Ronald Jones. We have JD McKissick. I don't think that there are three running backs that I like on Sunday, whereas there are a lot more wide receiver options. And if you're looking at the two days, it's a lot easier for me to find a four wide out lineup that I like than a three running back lineup. Yeah, that makes sense. I honestly haven't thought about the uh, slates independently. I'm just playing the, the six gamer on a six game slate. I, I like going wide receiver in, in flex, you know, especially for tournaments. Um, I did want to mention uh, Naheem Hines. I like him on DraftKings as a tournament play on Bills stacks. Um, if you're expecting the Bills offense to go off. Um, I think Hines is going to be on the field quite a bit in that case. He's averaged about six targets and five catches per game in Colts losses this season so you can get five catches out of him and then he happens to find the end zone i think at 4700 bucks on DraftKings, he actually comes in as the third best dollars per point value on DraftKings based on our projection so you don't really need him to even you know go off if he just has a a decent game based on how we project him um i think i think he'll pay off at his price yeah even over just the past five games where jonathan taylor came back off the covid list and had a good run we still got about nine and a half touches a game from Naheem Hines. So we don't need to figure out which way the game is going to go for him to be at least an okay option. And there's still always the chance that, you know, something goes wrong with Jonathan Taylor early or they fall behind or Naheem Hines does something right. And they just keep him in there and and figure that he's the better matchup for what they're facing on the field. So I I agree. I like the upside a shot worth taking at least in GPPs. Tyler wide receiver. What are you doing for cash? I did the FanDuel article this week and somehow I glossed over Michael Thomas. I I guess I just didn't even realize, um, you know, when I was scrolling through the, the FanDuel salaries, somehow I, I scrolled right past him. But I think he's by far the best wide receiver play on the slate. He's priced as wide receiver 10 on FanDuel, wide receiver 8 on DraftKings. If I were to rank all the wide receivers for the six-game slate, 
it would be Stefan Diggs number one, but I think I'd have Michael Thomas number two. So obviously at his price, uh, he's going to be a lock for cash games. And then I might have him in every GPP lineup as well. Saints are at home. He should be healthy coming off the ankle sprain, but he's just a guy that has a, a pretty high chance of eight plus catches if healthy. And the Saints have a really high team total, has a good chance at a touchdown as well. So I'm definitely going to be all over Michael Thomas this week. Yeah, and it's a, it's a Chicago defense, as I had mentioned, that plays the run tougher than the pass, especially is shaky at corner right now. So I agree it's a good spot for him. You'll see Michael Thomas popping at the top of the lineup generator as the top value for us this week in dollars per point. To me, Jared, it's Michael Thomas, Deontay Johnson, Stephon Diggs. They're top three there, and I think they're the pretty easy top three on both sites here at Whiteout. What about you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely not taking into account salary. And we're, you know, we're with Tyler. We have Thomas projected as the, the second highest scoring wide receiver on the slate behind only Steph Diggs. And I, I think Michael Thomas and Deontay Johnson on both sites are still too cheap. I mean, you know, Deontay Johnson's target volume week to week has just been awesome all season. So he's a super safe play. I'm going to have Thomas in 100% of my tournament lineups. I, I, I'm with Tyler. He's just, you know, way too cheap. He was, he's 6,400 on DraftKings. He wasn't cheaper than 6,900 for any of his games during the regular season. So I'm, you know, I, I just feel like they messed up on that price tag. Yeah, I agree. And then I think even for cash, I think Allen Robinson could round out a nice four wide out lineup uh, where you just pay down a running back. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I love a Rob. I have him here as a tournament play. Um, He's safe, I guess, because of the volume he sees. And you know, still, you're still counting on Mitchell Trubisky on the road in, in a playoff game. There's some downside there, but um, yeah, 26 and a half percent target share for Allen Robinson over Trubisky's last six starts. These teams played during the regular season. Robinson had 87 yards and a score on six catches. Um, you know, if you expect the Saints to be playing with the lead here, I think you're going to get good volume out of Arab. Yeah, and you get a better price on him versus if you want to play somebody that you think is quote unquote safe at running back in that flex spot, then you're probably getting a better price versus, you know, four upside here. Tyler, who else are you throwing into the GPP uh, wideout pool? So as I mentioned earlier, my main quarterbacks are going to be Josh Allen and uh, Lamar Jackson. So I'm definitely going to have a bunch of Marquise Brown, Stefan Diggs, uh, John Brown. In early builds so far, I've had a bunch of lineups with three Browns in at wide receiver. So that's Antonio Brown, John Brown, and Marquise Brown. Mm -hmm. So uh, hopefully there's a lot of Brown touchdowns this weekend. Yeah, that's my main exposure. I don't think I'm going to have any Allen Robinson. I'm probably going to be underweight on Deontay Johnson, and then I'm going to look to hit the upside with Chase Claypool this week. I think he's underpriced. Damn it. Everyone's on Chase Claypool. <laughs> yeah. Well, they mentioned how uh, they've been limiting him the last couple months to avoid the the rookie wall or whatever. So I think he should be out there playing most of the snaps. And uh, I, I like him for his upside, definitely against the Browns. I cannot wait to see Chase Claypool catch three passes this weekend for 27 yards and nothing. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably win a lot of money in that case. Because man, I, I, everyone's talking about Chase Claypool by this time. He's going to be higher owned than. I thought he was going to be a star. I'm, I'm still going to play him in tournaments just because you know, I've sort of been on him. I, don't know, I, I mean, the, the guy has a he has a 46 point DraftKing game this season. He has the ceiling. That also happened in a game that Deontay Johnson left early, and I, I think that there obviously the ceiling is there. The upside is there. Um, we'll see exactly what they plan to do with him, but I think that the excitement is way over the top on him because if you look back at his full game log. Outside of that game, it wasn't special. I mean, he he definitely had some other big games, mm-hmm. but it was like two other pretty big games. He didn't have other ceiling games. And 
his only two back-to-back strong ones came in that three-game stretch where Deontay Johnson left two games early and missed a third. So, I mean, if we were talking about Chase Claypool at 5% ownership, and I'd be like, yeah, pop him in there. Let's see what happens. But it's going to be like Chase Claypool at 15% or more, I think. So, for me, I'll take the lower-than-anticipated uh, ownership on Deontay Johnson and smile. Yeah, I mean, I would still bet on Deontay being the most popular stealer. We'll have to keep an eye on Juju, too, who didn't practice on Thursday with a, a knee issue that, you know, just popped up on the injury report. Maybe it's nothing. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have a better idea by this afternoon. Yeah, I mean, if he ends up sitting, maybe James Washington is suddenly what you guys are hoping Chase Claypool is going to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, he'd be interesting if Juju's out. I'm sure he's cheap. I haven't even looked. Uh, one guy that we haven't gotten to yet, I think Jarvis Landry is interesting, a solid option for especially Sunday slates. Five straight games of double-digit PPR points for him. He had five catches for 51 against Pittsburgh last week on just six targets, added a rushing TD in that game. Four straight games of six-plus receptions before that one. Uh, I think running is likely to be difficult for the Browns in this game. I think that they're going to be trailing in this game, and I don't think that the Pittsburgh cornerbacks are especially tough individual matchups for Landry. So I think if he gets the targets, which he could see 10 plus in this game, he's at least a solid bet with a, a decent ceiling. Yep. Yeah, I like Landry as a run back on Steelers stacks. I'm going to play Corey Davis again too. You know, he's 4,800 bucks now on DraftKings. He, man, he, he had a baby last week and I thought, you know, baby swag would help him. I think it hurt him. He dropped like four or five balls in that game. But he saw 11 targets. And again, as we talked about last few weeks, he has games of 38, 30, 24, and 20 DraftKings points. He's had you know, not as often a high ceiling as A.J. Brown, but you know he's had as high a weekly ceiling as A.J. Brown. Much cheaper, going to come in much lower on. So, yeah, I'm going to have Davis in tournaments for sure. Tight end for cash. What are you favoring, Tyler? <laughs> yeah, tight end's easy. Uh, don't play Cole Komet. I mean, <laughs> every single guy in the industry is recommending Cole Komet this week. He's the number one guy in the Draft Sharks model. Just do yourself a favor. Click on Cole Komet's box score. I mean, this guy's done nothing all year, and every week people tout him because he's running more routes. But the Bears still look to Jimmy Graham in the red zone. Jimmy Graham scored eight touchdowns this season. He's cheaper than Cole Komet on FanDuel. So I'm just no chance of playing Cole Komet. I'm going to play Mark Andrews. He has by far the highest ceiling at the tight end position this week. Titans are uh, pretty bad defense all over the field. Mark Andrews has multi-touchdown chance. So if it's not Mark Andrews, I might go with like Jared Cook or Jonu Smith or Jimmy Graham, but it's going to be mostly Mark Andrews. I agree with you on no Cole Komet. I mean, besides uh, what you already said, those Irv Smith numbers from a couple weeks ago make it look like a much better matchup than it really is. The Saints are one of the top three defenses against tight ends in the league at this point. So I'm not betting on Cole Komet to beat them. I, I think Mark Andrews is the, the top focus. I think Logan Thomas is also in there too for the target floor for him. Those would be my two favorites for the individual uh, one-day slates. Jared, where are you at on tight end for cash? I'm going to stick up for Cole Komet a little bit. He had, he had seven catches and eight targets last week. He has six-plus targets in four of his last five games, four-plus catches in, in uh, three of the last five games. I mean, I mean, for 3K on DK, he's okay. I, I'm, I'm not going to be playing him, though, so maybe I shouldn't be sticking <laughs> up for him too much. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to get to Mark Andrews. If I can't, Eric Ebron's the guy I would go to. Um, he's 3700 bucks on DK. He was activated from the COVID list uh, yesterday, so he'll be back for this game. Brown's 28th in football outsiders, tight end coverage rankings, 31st in adjusted points allowed to tight ends. And Ebron actually 6.1 targets per game during the regular season. That was actually third most among 
tight ends playing this weekend behind only Mark Andrews and Logan Thomas. So he's been a good volume bet. Yeah, I'll, I'll say that if I need to pay down to $3,000 at tight end, then I could see putting Cole Komet into a DK lineup. But I think it's unlikely that I would need to go down past Eric Ebron to yep. be able to make a lineup that I like on DraftKings. Agreed. Even in the same price range, I just think Dawson Knox and Johnny Smith or whoever else make more sense because they're going to be lower owned and they have just as good of a chance as a touchdown, if not better. Just based on the fact that Jimmy Graham is still the guy that they use in the red zone. I know Cole Komet's been running more routes and whatnot, but I don't expect the Bears to score a lot of points. I don't think they're going to be in the red zone very often. And he's just going to be overowned for since he's the value tight end of the week. And I just think he's, you know, he's going to get like two or three catches like 70% of the time. So I don't think he's a good play at all this week. Yeah, I agree. The, the matchup is why I'm staying away from him. Just, you know, my how I think the Bears offense is going to fare in general. I, I agree. I mean, I've been trying the Jonu Smith thing for basically all season. It's only worked a few times, but his routes have still been, he, he, he's the Cole Komet of the Titans and he's out there running routes. Maybe he'll actually get the ball this week. I don't know. He's actually talented and has a good quarterback though. Cole Komet's not bad. On to GPPs. Anything different here for you, Tyler, beyond what we've already mentioned? No, I'm just going to try to get as much Mark Andrews as I can. And then kind of in lineups where I need some savings, just try to get lucky, uh, get one of these touchdowns from one of these random cheap tight ends. We're up all night to get lucky. I'll be curious to see the ownership projection on Logan Thomas because it's been higher in recent weeks, but I don't know, with the way things are stacking up at tight end this week, if it's going to be down, uh, especially with everybody expecting the team to lose and I expect the team to lose, I I wonder if maybe Logan Thomas can become sneaky at at low ownership because he certainly has the target ceiling as he's been showing us. And Tampa hasn't been great against tight ends this season. Devin White, is he out for this game for sure? Yes. Yeah, so that, that that helps Thomas's matchup, I think, a bit. So, yeah, I think he's interesting in GPPs. I, I actually have Andrews in all three of my tournament teams right now, so I'm, I'm probably rolling that way. Again, I do like Eric Ebron for the price. And if you're playing a Drew Brees team, I do think Jared Cook makes some sense at tight end. If you bet player props, by the way, since we're talking tight ends, Logan Thomas is at three and a half receptions, 39 and a half yards for his over-unders. That should be a pretty easy over in both cases. He's averaging four and a half catches, 41.9 yards per game this season. Uh, The team is an eight-point underdog against a defense that's played wide receivers tougher than tight ends all year. So it should be a pretty easy spot for that prop, I think. Flex, we kind of alluded to it earlier Tyler, what's your what's your favorite approach here, or is it specific players? I talked about Chris Carson earlier. I think he's going to be pretty underowned at the running back position. I do think J.D. McKissick can rack up a bunch of catches in garbage time. He's going to be a guy that I like his player props as well. They don't have it listed yet, but I'm assuming he's going to come in around like 36 and a half receiving yards and then probably around like four and a half uh, receptions. If, especially if it's Alex Smith, I think he's going to be dumping down to McKissick a lot just because the Bucks generated the second most pressure in the league behind only the Steelers. I also like Chris Godwin, who we didn't mention. I think he he's going to make some sense, especially if you're playing any Tom Brady. I didn't mention Brady at the quarterback position. I think I'm going to throw him in a couple lineups and stack him up with Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown, figuring that Mike Evans might be limited with that hyperextended knee. Uh, Washington defense is good overall, but I mean, Brady's been really good over the last month and he's probably going to be looking a lot at Antonio and and Godwin running the more shallow routes compared to Mike Evans who who tends to run deeper routes you're not scared of nighttime Brady this week after his four primetime performances this year yeah I mean it's a small sample size uh 
it's somewhat concerning because they have been really bad in these late primetime games, but I think they should be able to take care of business against Washington. And I think Tampa should dominate in time of possession as well, because I can't see the Washington offense having too much success against yeah. the Bucks defense. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of just off the Bucks passing game this week. I mean, I don't hate them. There's just other spots I like better. So, you know, if Tampa's passing game goes off, I'm not going to be winning too much. I, I mean, Ronald Jones is the guy I'm playing from Tampa. And we've talked about all the flex guys. I mean, I, I, I'd say in cash this week, maybe you can play four wide receivers. You know, I never do that during the regular season, but when, when there's just fewer guys to pick from, I think it might make sense to go wide receiver and cash at flex this week. Um, I think John Brown's the only guy we haven't talked about too much. Um, 4,700 bucks on DraftKings. I mean, Cole Beasley's definitely banged up. I don't know how banged up Steph Diggs is. He is listed as questionable with the oblique injury. John Brown looked good in his return last week. He's an awesome player. Love John Brown. So I'm, I'm going to try to get him in at least one of my tournament lineups. Maybe it's just me. I always ignore oblique injury. I see a guy is limited or out, and then I see oblique. I'm like, oh, all right. He'll be fine by game day. It's not your oblique, so. Exactly. I feel fine. For flex, uh, we named all the players. For the Saturday slate, I would favor three running backs, as I said before. For the Sunday slate, it's four wide receivers. And for the two-day, I would lean four wide receivers, especially with the four that we mentioned at the top of the, the wide receiver portion. On defense, I think Seattle is the easy top choice on both sites. Five plus fantasy points in eight straight games, nine plus fantasy points in five straight before last week. That included the second meeting with the Rams, three sacks in that one, only allowed nine points in the game where Jared Goff hurt his thumb. He, of course, has since had surgery and is questionable to play this game. I really don't know how the Seahawks are the second cheapest defense on FanDuel for the two-day slate. They're not quite as low on DK, but still – Looked like a screaming value to me there, too, especially when you factor in the questionable thumb for Goff. Yeah, I mean, we, we have Seattle as our second highest projected defense on the week, you know, on the entire slate. Now, that, that was the John Walford in that quarterback. You know, maybe they come down a bit if it's Goff, but probably not a lot. I mean, it's going to be a banged up Jared Goff on the road. So, I, Seattle and Cash on both sites for me. I do think on DraftKings, you know, Washington's 2400 bucks. I mean, it's, it's just a good defense, not a great matchup, but I think if we need the savings, they're okay. Um, in tournaments, I like paying up for Pittsburgh. I mean, the defense hasn't been as good over the second half. They have some injuries, but Cleveland has struggled against Pittsburgh anyways. I mean, Baker Mayfield hasn't been good against them throughout his career, really. He wasn't even good against them with Pittsburgh playing a bunch of backups last week. Now you have no Kevin Stefanski for Cleveland, who, you know, head coach and the play caller. That's not going to help the offense. I, I think it could be a big game for the Steelers defense. Tyler, what are you doing on defense? Yeah, Seattle definitely makes the most sense in cash games. I wouldn't overexpose yourself to one defense this week, though. Defense is a very variant position, so I'd spread your exposure. Um, I think pretty much every defense makes sense this week besides the Colts, Titans, and Bears to me. Another thing you could do with defense is try to guess how these game scripts are going to go. So I think the Bills are going to jump off to a pretty – big lead and I think they're going to dominate the Colts I think the Bills make a lot of sense Rivers is definitely prone to making mistakes Steelers or the Browns make sense to me because I think that's gonna be a low scoring game and a game where both defenses can generate pressure same thing in the Rams Seahawks game I think it's gonna be low scoring but you know both these guys can make mistakes there's probably going to be a lot of running in the Seahawks Rams game that's the uh, one reason to avoid one of those defenses Tampa definitely makes a lot of sense uh, especially if Alex Smith gets pulled and they put in that other guy, uh, Heineke or whatever his name is. 
Ravens make a lot of sense as well. Tannehill, you know, if the Ravens get up to a big lead and Tannehill has to throw a lot, I think that Ravens pass rush can tee off. So, yeah, I think a ton of defenses are in play. I think the Saints have the highest upside at home against Mitch Trubisky as 10-point favorites. Uh, That's going to be a a pretty good spot for New Orleans. So I think I'm going to have the most Saints and GPPs and then be sprinkling in the Bucs and and the Bills as my uh, other defenses. I was wondering if you were about to go without mentioning the Saints because I think that they're one of the top options as well, especially if salary doesn't matter in at home against the Bears in a game that they should dominate. We'll, we'll get to the game, the specific game, in a minute. Uh, for me, the Bucks and the Saints are ahead of the Steelers in terms of attractiveness just because I think there's a lot less going on for Washington and Chicago than there is for Cleveland on offense. On to the game picks now. And let's just go in order through the weekend. It starts with the Colts plus six at the Bills. It's down one from where it opened, but obviously still heavily in the Bills' favor. Bills have covered eight straight games. The Colts are just eight and eight against the spread on the season, and they failed to cover each of the past three weeks. Jared, what do you like in this one? I like the Bills minus the uh, six and a half it's at right now, right? Um, Yeah, if you can get them under a touchdown, I like that. You know, the, the Colts finished, closed the season with a really easy stretch of games. And I think all of them, if not, you know, close to all of them were indoors. So now, you know, this old quarterback has to go outside in Buffalo where the weather is probably not going to be nice. Um, again, I don't think Indy's, I think Indy's like an average defense where, you know, they, they might've been top five early on. I, I, I don't think they're going to stop Buffalo. So I, I think they cover and win by at least a touchdown. I agree. Tyler, what about you? Yeah, I'm all over the bills this week. I have them minus six and a half. I'm going to have them in pretty much every teaser as well. I think the Ravens are going to beat up on Tennessee. And I think they they make sense even at minus three and a half because you see a lot of times when the Ravens get up, they tend to run up the score. So I think they make more sense as uh, against the spread rather than like money line. It just depends who gets up in that first half. I think if the Ravens get up, then they're definitely going to win the game. But if Tennessee gets up, then it could be close. I do like the Browns and teasers. You could get them up to plus 12. I like the under in the Titans-Ravens game. That over-under is 54 and a half. I just don't think the Titans are going to have that much offensive success. There's going to be a ton of running in this game, so that's going to take a lot of time off the clock. So the under makes sense in that game. In terms of player props, I like Josh Allen over 300 yards passing. I like uh, Stefan Diggs over seven and a half catches and over 94 and a half receiving yards. He's just a guy that's been getting over 100 yards pretty much every game. He had seven catches for 74 yards, I think, last week. He only played the first half. So him and Josh Allen have such a good thing going right now. And and then I mentioned McKissick earlier, waiting for his props to come out. And then the last one I'll say is uh, Terry McLaurin under 68 and a half receiving yards. He's dealing with a high ankle sprain. Quarterback play is very shaky in Washington. And I think Tampa is going to dominate. So I, I don't think uh, McLaurin will have too much success going up against that defense. I could see the Ravens beating the Titans, you know, pretty big. But I, I feel like there's a little bit too much momentum favoring that as the likely outcome as opposed to this being a close game. I, I think it'll end up being close. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if Baltimore wins a lopsided game. But I personally wouldn't feel comfy betting the Ravens with three and a half points. Um, because they really weren't terrific before this recent five-game stretch where they played a bunch of patsies. What about you, Jared? Yeah, that's an, that's a stay away for me. I wouldn't bet either side. Um, entering the season, we all thought Baltimore might be the best team in the AFC. Maybe you know they, they they've just found that again, and they are you know one of the better teams in the AFC. I, I I don't I can't see Tennessee stopping Baltimore. I think Tennessee's offense will have some success. I just think Baltimore gets you know a few more stops, and and that's the difference. 
Yeah, we'll we'll have to see because I I don't think Tennessee's defense is anything to bet on either. But Baltimore is capable of stopping itself on offense at times, so I think it'll be an interesting game either way. I wouldn't feel comfy betting either side. Rams plus three and a half at the Seahawks. I don't know what this game is actually going to look like. To me, it looks like it's going to be ugly. Uh, it's down from a four and a half open. I'm really kind of surprised at how much credit the Rams are being given in terms of their chances to win this game. It certainly seems like Vegas expects Jared Goff to play. I think we're all kind of assuming he's going to play since he's questionable with the thumb, but he's obviously not hundred percent. It's already a guy who's kind of all over the place. He could be good one week. He could be awful. I don't know. I, I'm betting the Seahawks in this one. I wouldn't bet it unless I can get Seattle under three points. I do like the under. It's at 42 right now. I like that. Yeah, we got 39 and 29, I think, from this matchup in their two um, regular season meetings this year. Tyler, what do you think in Rams versus Seahawks? Yeah, I'll give out one more teaser, seven-point teaser to get the Saints down to two and a half. I think they're going to smoke the Bears, but nine and a half is is tough to cover, but certainly the Saints and teasers just win by a field goal. And then the under in the Rams-Seahawks, so you could get under 49 and a half. Uh, makes a lot of sense. I don't think this game's going to go over 50 points. So that's my last teaser I'll give out. I, I got a few more bets, but I think I gave out enough. <laughs> Jared, what are you, who are you taking in Bucks with eight or Bucks minus eight at Washington? That's another avoid for me. I, I, I actually bet a six point teaser this weekend, too. I have Buffalo, so they're down to half a point. I have Tampa in that one. So, you know, they're minus two is where I have it. I have under 48 in the Ram Seahawks game. And then I have the Steelers as a pick them in that teaser. So that, that's what I'm doing. Um, but as far as Tampa, Washington with a spread, I would, I would avoid it. I don't like, you know, either side enough to bet it. Yeah. So that was a four team teaser that Jared gave out. If you want to add a fifth team to that teaser, uh, you could actually add in Alabama. They're favored by eight points, but you could tease them down to two, a five team teaser plays pays plus 500. So uh, yeah. Interesting. I, I am going to be putting Alabama in a couple of these NFL teasers. I'm done betting on college kids after uh, I lost quite a bit on Clemson the other the other weekend. Are you? So I would stay away from the eight point line that Tampa game too. What about the ten and a half point line currently in Bears Saints? Does that one scare you guys away from that game? I had it at nine and a half. I, I wouldn't bet the nine and a half, but I think it makes a lot of sense in teasers if you could get it down uh, below a field goal. I would I'd take even the Saints even with the big line. Yes, really, I, would, yeah, I wouldn't actually bet it because I'm not betting Trubisky on the road. That would just be horrible to watch. But I, I would lean towards Chicago plus the points. It's just a lot of points. Yeah, it's a lot of points. I, I, I would imagine there are some people a little bit nervous after Minnesota went to New Orleans and won last year. But I think I think we all just underrated Minnesota in that matchup. They were a lot better yeah. team than they got credit for then. 10th in offensive DVOA, 4th in defensive DVOA. These Bears are not very good. 25th in offensive DVOA, 21st and weighted even the defense is down to 13th and weighted dboa yeah i was gonna say i think the defense is still good enough where they could you know slow down new orleans enough and you know at least keep it to within 10 i think they win i think new orleans wins by two touchdowns this weekend then finally browns currently plus six at pittsburgh i know you guys are, are teasing this game but if you're sticking with those points which side you got i like pittsburgh minus, minus points again they, they just they do, for whatever reason they just own cleveland i don't know if they match up well with them or whatever and then i'll just it's really all the issues the Browns have the Vernon injury and all the COVID stuff. I think the Steelers win by at least a touchdown. Mostly a stay away for me, but if I had to bet it, uh, I would take the points with Cleveland, especially after these Juju Smith-Schuster comments. 
saying that they're the same old Browns and that they only have a couple good players. Uh, he's just a guy that is disrespecting all these teams and it's come back to bite them quite a bit. He's been dancing on the logo and the Steelers obviously had that pretty long stretch where they were struggling, losing to the bills, losing to Washington and losing to the Bengals. Uh, they're an extremely flawed team still. I'm not very high on the Browns either, but, um, if somehow the Steelers do win this week, I, I'm going to be all over Buffalo. Assuming they beat the Colts, I'll be all over the Bills against the Steelers next week. I'd probably avoid this one with the six-point line, but if I had to pick, I think I'd go Cleveland side as well. It's kind of funny that Juju Smith-Schuster is turning heel this season while on the field he's turning into Danny Amendola. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's going to do it for this DFS podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. You can get our full wild card round projections as well as articles from Jared and Tyler to help you set your DFS lineups. Check out the lineup generator to build your own lineups with the help of the DS projections and fan share ownership projections. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. Tyler is at Tyler Syracuse. at Syracuse with an I. And I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola, Tyler Syracuse, and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Shaft saying thanks so much for swimming with us.